Please open your Bibles to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1. I'd like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas on this beautiful Christmas morning. Thank you so much for coming to worship with us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, that is, engaged, before they came together, that is, before they consummated their marriage, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, that is, her fiancé, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, he was going to break up with her. He was going to break the engagement, which would be like a divorce. But he, because he cared for her, he wasn't sure how she got pregnant. He knew it wasn't, he wasn't the cause, and he was going to break up with her. Verse 20, but while he thought about these things, don't you know that was tough? Uh, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. End quote. What an assignment given to a man. Verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Verse 24, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And did not know her, that is, he did not have sex, till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Meaning they had children later, after Jesus. He was the oldest brother. And he called his name Jesus, just like the angel had done. Lord, I ask that you would bless the word to our hearts. May we leave here with greater understanding of the meaning of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Mary, did you know that your baby would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby Save our sons and daughters. Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you deliver, he would soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight the blind man. Mary, did you know that your baby boy 
with his hands. Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kissed your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know? Did you know? Oh, did you know that the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises. Your baby boy is Lord of all creation. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb and the sleeping child your holy? Agree, I am. Oh, Mary, did you know? Oh, Mary, oh, did you know? Now turn with me to the next chapter, Matthew chapter 2. And as you do so, let me just share that there is a gap in time between the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem and where the story picks up in Matthew chapter 2. To fill in that gap, you would have to turn to Luke chapter 2, which we spoke from that topic last Sunday. We won't touch on it today. Between Matthew 1 and Matthew 2 is a gap in time. It could be up to two years, as we'll see when we read this, or less. And uh, that gap in time uh, contained what happened in the more details of the birth of Christ as recorded in Luke chapter 2. So with that being said, let's start with verse 1 of Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. A few years ago, we had a guest speaker uh, for the Christmas season come by the name of Dr. Gary Stewart. And Dr. Stewart used astronomy software to see what these wise men were talking about. And uh, apparently in, in the School of Astronomy is now software where you can go back in time through the software to see the positions of the stars and the planets. And at that time, there was something significant in the heavens that pointed to something that was interpreted as 
the coming of the Messiah. And uh, uh, sometime after that, something else happened in the heavens that pointed to Bethlehem, to the specific place where they found him. Let's continue with the story. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, I guess they went to Jerusalem to the king to ask uh, concerning what they'd seen in the heavens. When he heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. So I guess these guys made an impact. I don't know who the wise men were, but they certainly made an impact. Um, Let me just interject here. Most nativity scenes you see have compressed in time everything that has happened in Matthew 1, Luke 2, and Matthew 2, as though it happened on the same day. But the truth is, the wise men were not there when the shepherds were. In fact, in Matthew 2, Jesus is no longer in a manger in the stable. So just keep that in mind as you understand the story. I love nativity sets, but we need to have understanding and explain them to our children so they can more fully appreciate the details of the story. So the king was troubled by hearing this uh, king of the Jews being born somewhere. He didn't want the competition. Verse 4, when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ or the Messiah was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and they quoted this verse from the Old Testament, but you Bethlehem, which means house of bread, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And we know, of course, that was Jesus. But uh, these chief priests didn't know it was Jesus, but they knew biblically that the Messiah was to come out of Bethlehem. And this was the reason why, from this passage that they had read or quoted. Verse uh, Verse 7 Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Keep that in mind. After interviewing the wise men, he made a determination when this sign in the heavens occurred that pointed to the birth of the Messiah. And verse 8, When he sent them to Bethlehem, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. So the planetary movements, stars in the heavens, and align themselves in such a way that pointed right to the place where they found the Lord. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother. So they went into a house. See that? Not a stable. Went into this house. They see the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their gifts, they presented, opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warmed in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. 
Now, why did the angel warn them? Verse 13. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek to destroy the young child. He will seek the young child to destroy him. Verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt. I have called my son. So they literally, the next day, take off for Egypt. And verse 16, Herod begins a plot to destroy all the male children in the Bethlehem area who were two years old and younger. Now, why did he choose two years old and younger? Because that, I believe, relates to the time he pinpointed from where they, the wise men had seen the star in the east. So these wise men, no doubt, had been traveling for two years before they found Jesus. So I think we could surmise safely from that. Jesus could have been two years old. He certainly probably wasn't two years old, uh, older than two years old. So he's still a baby, still a little guy. Um, and Herod tries to destroy him, but through the angelic intervention... Joseph and Mary and the young child are in Egypt when the slaughter of the innocents occurs that you can read about here in the uh, rest of the chapter. And then the angel lets them know, hey, it's safe to return to Israel, and that's when they moved to Nazareth. So the life of Jesus begins in Bethlehem, his earthly life, and continues in Egypt, and then continues in Nazareth, until his public ministry begins in Cana. And so, um, that's the story of Matthew chapter 2 in a nutshell, springboarding in the rest of the book of Matthew. I want to come back to these gifts that the wise men gave. And I believe this gold, frankincense, and myrrh were probably used by this young family to support them in Egypt while they were there. And so let's look back at verse 11. It says, When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now we all know what gold is. Gold is a means of exchange. Gold is a highly valued metal. It is second only to silver and copper as a great thing to conduct electricity with. It is uh, something that's very malleable. You can hammer it out so thin that you can see through it. You can melt it. It'll come through fire purer than it was before you put it in. And so it is an amazing metal. It's a means of exchange. Uh, it's something by which value is placed. Uh, the price of gold per ounce is a is a important factor in economic issues. And here Jesus is given gold as a gift. Um, I think this gold certainly helped them survive in Egypt. I think it also points to who he was. He was a king, born king of the Jews. Uh, sent from heaven where the streets were paved with gold, 
Crowns are made out of gold. Rings are made out of gold. Necklaces are made out of gold. So the giving of this gold certainly wasn't an uh, act of worship and an expression of faith in who he was. So the giving of gold is not a mystery, but in our modern times, the giving of frankincense and myrrh is a bit of a mystery. What is frankincense and myrrh? They're basically sap from two different kinds of trees. And uh, I went to Wikipedia, and this is what Wikipedia has to say about them. Frankincense is tapped from a very scraggly but hardy tree called the Boswellia. B-O-S-W-E-L-L-I-A. And it is tapped from that tree, like you would get syrup, I guess, or rubber, by slashing the bark, which is called striping, and allowing the exuded resins or sap to bleed out and harden. These hardened resins, hardened sap, are called tears. So it comes out like it dries up into... uh, not perfectly round, but into, you know, nut-like structures. Frankincense trees are also considered unusual for their ability to grow in environments so unforgiving that they sometimes grow directly out of solid rock. The tears from these hardy survivors are considered superior for their more fragrant aroma. So the tougher the growing conditions, the sweeter the aroma that comes from this sap. The trees start producing resin when they're about 8 or 10 years old. Tapping is done two to three times a year with the final tap or striping producing the best tears due to their higher aromatic content. Frankincense resin is edible and often used in various traditional medicines for digestion purposes and healthy skin. Edible frankincense must be pure for internal consumption. It is often chewed like gum but it is stickier than gum because it is a resin. Burning frankincense is a form of uh, incense, and it's an incense that repels mosquitoes and helps protect people people and animals from mosquito-borne illnesses such as malaria and West Nile virus as well as dengue fever. Could it be this young royal family burned frankincense? For protection, or do they use it as a means of exchange? Also known as olibanum, is characterized by a balsamic, spicy, slightly lemon, typical fragrance of incense with a slightly conifer-like undertone. It is used in perfume as well as cosmetics and pharmaceutical industries. The makeup that you see on uh, the drawings of the pharaohs, the makeup these pharaohs used to, uh, like mascara around their eyes, this was made from frankincense. So it would be in demand in Egypt. Um, I think it's interesting that this gift recognizes who he is as well. That one day he would be striped for our sins, and one day he would sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, and tears would flow from him, from the agony and the pain. The more pain he went through, the greater the price that was paid for your sins and mine. And while it was a stench to his nostrils to go through such a thing, 
He despised the shame that he went through. He did it for the joy that was set before him. While it was a pain to do what he did, on our side, it is a pleasure to receive the benefits of it. A sweet-smelling aroma is ours to enjoy from his sacrifice. Frankincense. What is myrrh? Wikipedia says that myrrh is the aromatic oleoresin of a number of small thorny. See a parallel there, don't you? What this gift pointed to, the price he would pay with the crown of thorns, and as well as the curse of sin that brought about thorns. It's a, uh, a product that comes from a small thorny tree species of the genus called the Comifura. All right. The Comifura grows in, grows in dry, stony soil. Its resin or oleoresin is a natural blend of essential oil and resin. Myrrh resin is a natural gum. When a tree wound penetrates through the bark and into the sapwood, the tree bleeds a resin known as myrrh gum, like frankincense. When people harvest myrrh, they wound the trees repeatedly to bleed them of the gum. Myrrh gum is waxy and coagulates quickly. And after the harvest, the gum, between, the gum becomes hard and glossy. Myrrh gum is yellowish and maybe either clear or opaque. It darkens deeply as it ages and white streaks may emerge. The oleo gum resins of a number of other Comifura species um, are also used as perfumes, medicines such as aromatic wound dressings and incense ingredients. The word myrrh derives from the Aramaic myrrh, which means bitter. And this is not edible, I guess, due to its flavor. And to me, this bitter gift points to the bitterness that Jesus would face one day. In modern pharmacy, myrrh is used as an antiseptic in mouthwashes, gargles, and toothpaste for prevention and treatment of gum disease. Myrrh is currently used in some liniments and healing salves that may be applied to abrasions and other mind-skin ailments. Myrrh has also been recommended as an analgesic for toothaches and can be used in liniments for bruises, aches, and sprains. So valuable has it been in times in ancient history that myrrh has been equal in weight value to gold. It has been used throughout history as a perfume, an incense, and a medicine. So gold, frankincense, and myrrh point to who Jesus is, and they point to who he's going to be and what he was going to go through. Don't you love Christmas? I love parallels that we see in the Christmas story. What powerful gifts pointing to the gift himself, who one day would give himself as a gift, the ultimate Christmas gift, give himself. He did it in being born and laid in a manger all the way through the 33-plus years till he died on the cross, embracing the tears, embracing the striping, embracing the wounding, Embracing the bleeding, embracing the sapping, of it were, of his very life. 
Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for what Christmas means. And Lord, may we grow in a deeper appreciation through these gifts that you received of the gift that you are, that we have received. Thank you, Lord, for giving us gifts that are so much better than gold and frankincense and myrrh. And Lord, as we have opportunities to minister in light of the Christmas holiday, Lord, I pray that it would be about more than gifts and toys and tinsel and food. But Lord, it would be about giving of ourselves and our life for the benefit of others. Use us mightily for your glory in this holiday season. In Jesus' name, amen. Love.